Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hi everyone and welcome to this next episode of Open Banking Expo Unplugged. As usual, I'm your host, uh, I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Content here at Open Banking Expo. Joining me today is Monica Lickema, co-founder and chief executive of Enfuse, a card issuer and cloud-based payments processing solution for fintechs, banks and merchants, founded in 2016. Now, in March this year, the Nordic-based fintech announced it had secured 7 million euros in a Series B funding, led by an investment of 5 million euros from Tencent. Enfuse has plans to expand further in Europe, so it's a really exciting time for the fintech. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Monica. Great to have you with us today. Thank you, Ellie. Thanks for asking. It's, I'm happy to be here. Why don't we start with uh, you giving us a bit more on your own background and your role at Infuse? Yeah, so uh, I'm, uh, I used to be a developer in the past millennium, so I'm, so I'm actually turning 46 young in a couple of days. Uh, actually born Friday the 13th, which probably many who know me would say, ah, that explains. <laughs> uh, and uh, I moved to Finland from Sweden uh, uh, 20 plus years ago. Uh, and worked in the telco industry and as a developer. And then I was part of founding my first uh, startup back in 2006. And through that startup, I ended up as a consultant uh, building a bank called S-Bank. And it's uh, part of a big merchant, one of the biggest ones in Finland. And we built a bank and uh, we grew it a lot. And um, I was part... I joined the bank as a consultant to be the test manager. So I have a very in-depth knowledge of how banking infrastructure is built uh, when it comes to anything and everything. So core bank, net bank, card payments, treasury systems, etc. And uh, I think that has been one of the biggest assets in the journey of where I am today. Uh, then everything was, uh, you know, fine. Uh, we grew a lot. Uh, we pulled a profit in a couple of years. And then things started to become a bit like business as usual. And uh, back then I didn't realize yet that I'm not kind of a business as usual person. So I started thinking about, okay, what could I do next? And then we did uh, acquire Citibank Finnish lending, consumer lending business. And I merged that one. And uh, then I I'm also a mother of four. So then I had the kids and then they were growing up and like, okay, what to do next? I was asked by, Crosskey Banking Solutions, which is the core bank service provider of S-Bank to come and build their card and payments business, uh, which I did. So in 2011, I joined Crosskey. I built up an amazing team. We did a lot of awesome stuff uh, back then, which seems like not that long ago, but back then uh, we tended to run stuff in own data center. So uh, that's what we did. Uh, and then I wanted to scale. I also did my executive MBA and was thinking about like, what do I really want to do uh, when I grow up? And uh, then uh, I just realized that my ambition level and the ambition level of the employer at, that I was at, they, they had this Nordic focus and I wanted the world domination. So it kind of didn't match. So I, I quit my job, but since, um, you know, a lot of kids, a lot of house loan need to amortize, I need to work. Mm, so then I went to Aktia Bank, which is an even more uh, how I, conservative 
bank, an old school, uh, prestigious bank. And I headed their card and payment business for some time because we bought and did some mobile, mobile things. And then I was actually asked by a person that would I want to be a CEO and be part of building a so-called neobank. And my instinct was directly to say, no, no, I don't want to. I don't, I don't, I'm not fit for one place. But how will you run your services, the infrastructure and the payments? And then they say that they have an RFP going out. And I just ask, can I make a proposal? Uh, and that's what I did. So I called my, my former colleagues, my to-be co-founders, and I asked them like this. If we would build a company that does payments bigger, better, faster, and globally scalable, how would we do it? And then they said, yeah, well, you need to take it to public cloud. And then I said, no, no, that's not possible because no one, back in 2016, nobody had done uh, core infrastructure banking processing in a public cloud. Uh, and then they said, but it's the only way to scale. And I said, well, it's that, if that's the only way to scale, we'll find a solution. And since I've been working in banks, I've been working with the financial supervisory authority, I knew their requirements. So I took the requirement list and then I, I contacted AWS and I contacted uh, Microsoft and then we started negotiations. And back in 2016, uh, AWS had been around for 10 years and they really had the services that we require because since we do card payment processes, processing, we are strictly regulated by the payment card industry data security standard. And those are the things that we needed to adhere to. And I also believe that being strictly regulated has really enabled us to grow to the company that we are today, because we are born out of the compliance, but we are here to make a difference. And that's the, the beginning of Enfuse. And then of course, since I like, I always say that if it's, if, if, if it's hard, uh, I like it even more because if it was easy, anyone could do it. So we started off by our first customer, which is ST1. So the Shell brand also in, in the Nordics, we did for them credit cards for Sweden, Finland, Norway, and then Apple Pay. Uh, so we had, you know, three countries, uh, two time zones, three currencies, etc., etc. So we really got a good kick off with the customer that we first landed. And after that, we have grown. And we've done also a lot within open banking, open banking compliance, and then also when it comes to data. That's in short. Well, that was, we uh, that's, that's given us a lot of insight in, into your background. And, and also, yeah, as you say, where it all started for Enfuse, uh, which has obviously grown uh, quite a bit in, in the past sort of four to five years. So could you explain a little bit more about sort of what Infuse does and the, the technology that's behind it? Yeah, so we do three things, but they are all interconnected. So we talk about enabling payments, digital payments. And then there are, of course, so first of all, you need an account. You, you, need, you need a ledger that holds value and the value can be can be money, it can be euros, it can be cryptocurrencies, it can be loyalty points, it can be whatever, but it, it's a ledger of value. And then there's user interfaces to that ledger. And of course the ledger can be plus or minus. It's plus if you put in money and it's minus 
if you go on credit or installments or revolving or whatever. So that's the foundation of our platform. And then we have the databases, we have high availability, and then we are also approved by the Financial Supervisory Authority to be an outsourcing partner for banks, and we are a payment institution ourselves. So uh, what we do is we enable issuance of money. So our customers can give out money in different formats. And the reason why they want to give out money is, of course, they want to enable payments. So maybe mentioning a couple of our customers, we did for BP in Poland, uh, totally tokenized uh, uh, fleet card service where you can you know, pay with, with your, your phone or your watch. Uh, so we hold the account, we enable the payments, uh, invoicing, etc. Uh, then we have Rocker in Sweden. It's a very fast-growing neobank for consumers. Uh, there we enable also the payments and the cards. Then, then they have everything for Apple Pay, Google Pay, Samsung Pay, plastics with biometrics, virtual cards, etc. And then on the consumer uh, corporate side, for example, we have customers like Playo. Playo is also in UK. So. They do expense management, and to do that in a good way, they have added the card. We do the processing. We enable the the card. We enable the plastic or the virtual card, etc. So that's in in like putting it in really short. What we do, we are directly connected to Visa and Mastercard, so the payments uh, transactions co goes to there. We have all the hardware security modules where we do the crypto. Uh, calculation that the card is who they say they are and the payment is validated, etc. So we are about a bit like infrastructure. So I would say that if you think about, you know, finding competitors to us on the card payment side, we talk about players like Worldline, we talk about GPS probably and Marketa. Those are, are things that come to mind when we think about on that side. Then we also have services on the open banking side. So the reason why we went into open banking is that it's the PSC2 regulation. It regulates a lot within payments. It's a payment service directive. So it's not just about banks, but it's about cards as well. It's about accounts and, and, and enabling customers to give consent to their data and initiate payments. So we needed to make sure that our customers are PSE2 compliant, which means that we, we put out the APIs according to the PSE2 requirement, do the consent management, the audit trail, the fraud prevention. And then we were actually contacted by banks. So one of our customers on the open banking compliance, it's a big Finnish bank and their uh, Baltic banks uh, needed to have someone to help with the compliance. So what we did is we took our compliance platform, put it on their core bank. We have the sandbox and we have the production where we do enable them to be PSD2 compliant. And then we were like, okay, awesome. We, now we do what we say that we're gonna do. And like, we are currently in Europe and in the Middle East. So we have a little over 10 million customers uh, in our platform on every day. But I think when the five of us, there are five co-founders of NGOs. When we sat down and we looked at what is the company that we want to build, we want to build a company that has 
you know that makes a difference that that you know you know when you, you go grow old <laughs> like mm-hmm. me and you have a lot of kids and you really see how the world is changing and you've been part of payments and you've seen fraud money laundering human mm-hmm. trafficking and all that bad stuff that comes with cash handling etc mm-hmm. when you put that in a digital format and how much you can you know fight terrorist financing uh, money laundering etc i think that we wanted to build a company that helps our customers to succeed and by doing that we enable services that makes the world better so sustainability has always been really key part of our values and then think big excellence and collaboration but i think when we came to sustainability it was like okay let's put our money where our mouth is so let's stop bsing around and what can we actually do not just talk about it, but actually, like, I don't like, I, I, okay, I do like talking, but I like doing more than talking. So yeah. then we were, we sat down with my co-founders and we were like, if you look at what we do for a living, we are allowed to store and process sensitive data uh, because payments data and GDPR, you know, data and everything. So what do we actually have? Well, we actually know what people pay and what you pay equals what you consume and what you consume equals what you emit. So I, when we sat down, I think it was in 2018, we, we came up with this concept that then later would become my carbon action. And we sat down that if we take the technical capabilities that we have as a core business and we find someone who really has a good methodology for calculation that is trustworthy enough that it actually has an impact. And that's when we went looking, you know, all over the world about a partner. And then we found it in Finland of all places, which is funny because we are from Finland. Uh, We found a German Finnish company called DMAT. And they have been doing 16 years of research within the scene of lifestyle carbon footprint. So what they do is that they go into, you know, they do a lot of science globally with universities and, and this kind of different science institutes. And they are professors themselves in the old university. And they were looking into what emits and in the lifestyle. And then I was looking at their technical report. And it was so funny because somewhere along there, the, the conclusion was that the only thing lacking is the tool to get the information to the consumer or the person to understand their impact and change. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but that's us. That's what we do. We have the data about what you paid. And then I read it and it was like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. So I contacted DMAT. Uh, we did an agreement and <clears throat> we have now launched My Carbon Action, which uh, is a, it's a digital tool to calculate the CO2 emissions on the things that how we live, lifestyle. Because if you think about 70% of the CO2 emissions globally are derived from what we as people do for a living. So what we eat, how we live, how we go from A to B, and how what we buy and how we kind of travel and what services we take. And those are five domains. And if I, as a you know, old developer, I remember when I was uh, in university studying human-computer interaction in UX design back in the late 90s, it was like the human brain can't take in more than seven items in one screen. So I was like, this is perfect. That how can we make so that when I buy something, I can actually understand what I bought, what the emissions were, and how it can change. 
So right. it's not about it's not about you know spending less money, even though that's also. But for example, if I'm a meat lover, if I go vegan for a week or a month, that will have an impact, mm. and it will also, of course, have an impact on my lifestyle, so my health. But I think the core is now to to reduce emissions, because I think now when this has become a hype kind of now the climate change, when we are coming out of COVID, we understand that the climate change is the, the next big thing. It's such a massive problem that we need to split it down into pieces that where we can actually, without getting too anxious, actually do change. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's how my carbon action came. And this is really the service that embodies what Enfuse is here to do, because even though I said anyone can be a payment processor, that's not true, but it's much easier to do that. But it's not many that can bring the purpose into the payments. And that's what we do. And I'm also happy that when it comes to open banking, we partnered today, as we talked briefly, with BUD. Uh, so yeah. we are coming to UK now with with um, my carbon action because I don't see that we compete even though though I do open banking services in Nordics but I don't do aggregation uh, I think I, I want to partner with anyone that wants to have an impact and Bud was a perfect fit and now we can introduce these services to the UK and that's kind of the beginning and then of course we were in, are in production already in, in the Netherlands with Rabobank but uh, yeah, anyway, anyone doing something, I, I tend to say that you're either wanting to be part of the solution or then you are closing your eyes and you're actually part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear about that side of the, the business, the sustainability element, or, or as you kind of called it, that kind of payments with a purpose, which I really liked. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, um, that announcement about the BUD partnership um, came out today, the day we're recording this uh, podcast. So, um, I mean, could you also tell us a little bit more about that partnership and and, and why you wanted to partner? I suppose because um, we often hear about you know lots of, of partnerships in the industry, but um, they kind of they need to have a purpose, don't they? They need to, to to work for both parties, I suppose. Yeah. So if I think if I look at what. Bud does for a living. Yeah. They, they have this awesome, you know, open banking data enrichment service. And, and so we talk a lot about, you know, old school people talk about PFM solutions or so personal finance management. But when we add my carbon action, you actually get the lifestyle management. So with the data and being a Bud customer, having my carbon action as a value add, you can as a bank or a merchant, enable your customer to understand better the impact of what they buy and, of course, guide them to lead a more sustainable life. So promote products and services that are better for the every everyone people or however you want to put it. So for me, it was really about, of course, if Bud would enter the, the Nordics or, or Finland, for example, uh, on some levels, we someone said would say, that, oh, but you're competing. But that's not how I see. I mean, there is no one winner. The only winners uh, when we do something like this is the humankind. Because as Greta Thunberg said a couple of days ago, if we don't change, we're fucked. <laughs> so yeah. that, that's why we, we yes, yeah, so I, I really like Bud. Uh, the mentality, the 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 speed, but then then also the ambition and uh, 
their, their value. So it, it was a perfect fit. Yeah. Uh, well, it's really exciting to hear about that. And um, I want to come on now to ask you a bit more about the funding that I sort of spoke about in your intro. So there's some huge, huge sum that um, that you managed to secure in your most recent funding round um, with obviously, you know, being able to secure investment from Tencent seems to suggest that you have significant growth plans or worldwide domination anyway, as you, as you put it earlier. So is that the case? What 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 are you going to use the proceeds for, for that from that funding to do? Yeah, well, for that, as you said, we, we didn't take we didn't take in that much money. We took in a big investor. I think that's mm. the big. So we we jumped from our former investor Maki, uh, and they also joined in on this investment. So we we took in uh, uh, the seven million in total, and uh, we jumped from a you know seed funding uh, VC to you know one of the biggest in the world uh, and um, if I look at Enfuse history as I said we, we are we, we, we are very traditional I mean like we're former bankers and, and been the banking so when we started the company uh, we actually pulled the profit the two first years and paid dividends because I never founded a fintech startup I founded a company that has a purpose that wants to do things better mm-hmm. and then when we launched Apple Pay, like the only other processor in the Nordics in 2017, something changed. I mean, like it changed. And then like the inbound started coming in. I was a bit confused. And then I realized like, I think we're onto something. I always believe that when you do good work and hard work, you know, in the end of the day, good things comes if you're not an asshole. But I really understood that now we are onto something. And then we needed to start taking in money. So first funding round was actually, you know, I went to the bank and said, hey, bank, uh, we, we need money to grow. And they look at our books and said, okay, you pull a profit. This is like your plans. Yeah, we're going to give you 5 million. So our first 5 million was actually debt financing from, from a Nordic bank called Nodea and then an insurance company, Lahitapiola. And then, you know, inbound started, we need to grow more. So then we took in uh, Maki, we did a quite extensive tour uh, in Europe and US, but you know, not being familiar back then in the VC life or the scene or anything, it was a bit overwhelming. And we learned a lot. Uh, me and my co-founder Denise, we talk about it a lot. And and then when we launched my Carbon Action, uh, we actually launched it at Slush in 2019, which is this awesome tech event in that it's held, uh, held every year in Helsinki. It has been now remote, but are, is coming back now again as a physical event. And then I was also invited because Bloomberg made a piece of us. So I was invited to the new economy forum at Blue, that Bloomberg is organizing at the same time in Beijing. So uh, Dr. Ling Ji, who is the Tencent representative of Europe, she was attending uh, slush and met up with Denise in we launching my carbon action and then I was actually in Beijing at the same event and Tencent is part of also organizing the the Bloomberg event uh, was Mr. Martin Lau who is the president of Tencent so we clicked kind of I mean like uh, you know the ambition level the the values and I really think that you know the my carbon action and tech founders, women, maybe not that usual, mm-hmm. old women, 
even more unusual. <laughs> and Denise would say that she's not old, but she turned 40, so she's old in my <laughs> or she's closing up on me. Anyway, so that's how we took in uh, Tencent. And uh, yeah, it's been a really good, like, since we are a regulated entity mm. on the Finnish supervisor, corporate governance compliance has always been, you know, a, a norm, a standard. And I really do believe that when you take in that size of investor, I think they invest the five million with the same logic that they would have invested one billion. Uh, it is, you know, it, it there is a structure, and if you are not used to being required to do structural reporting and compliance, you would probably, yeah, you probably want to go and sleep forever. Uh, but for us, it was a good thing. So I'm really happy. And yes, world domination, definitely, because I do believe in the, or let's say world collaboration. I used to have the domination, but actually I would say that I want to change the world collaboration. I mm. want to be global. I want to enable stuff in, in many places, but I do want to collaborate with awesome players like BUD in the future as well in different regions so that we together can enable us as people to have better services and if i look at uh, our you know sustainability sustainability de development goals uh, there are 17 of those uh, by the un we work directly or indirectly with 13 of those so if you think about compliance governance banking payments uh, knowing your customer, uh, consent management, you're really tapping into possibilities to fight fraud, fight human trafficking, fight everything bad that comes out of physical money. You can fight, you know, or you can actually not fight, you can help inclusion, you can work on diversity. And actually the latest thing that we are advisory in is actually how to make peace through digital tools. So peacemaking and enabling. So I think like, you know, the world is full of posi positive possibilities if you want to see it that way. And then it's up to you to make a difference. Yeah. It's not harder than that. Uh, well, I was just thinking, we'll have to get uh, Denise on now because she'll have to contest her uh, <laughs> yeah. 40 years or old. age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, have, age. we'll, we'll yeah, pit you against one another. Um, now, that, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting to hear, uh, uh, Aloha, how you positioned it as world collaboration as opposed to domination. And really yeah. interesting, that concept of, of um, using it for kind of, Peace. So, um, yeah. I mean, what what's next then for Infuse? We've obviously talked about your latest partnership with Bud, uh, the, the fundraising um, earlier this year. Uh, but what what's next for the business? Uh, well, currently we are focusing on expansion in Europe. So yeah. we are see seeking country manager for Germany. We have people on site in France, of course, looking into UK. Yeah, no offense, but Brexit didn't make it easier. We actually used to have an office, but we, we need to look at what, what to do next. The good thing is that we can issue cards. You know, we collaborate actually with Transact Payment Limited, which is a UK company. They are licensed in Gibraltar and Malta. So for being sponsorship, we, we collaborate with them as well. So we can cover the whole of Europe, including uh, UK. Uh, and of course, our customers that are issuers, we can we can do whatever needs to be done. But uh, looking east and west, mm. uh, looking into Japan, 
currently, of course, my personal dream is to enable my carbon action into WeChat Pay. If not just for a small part, we are also putting our services up in AWS uh, so that everyone uh, that is somehow relevant could start looking at them. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it's more about growth. So definitely in a scale-up growth mode. And also now, even though we are physically, more or less physically located in Finland, yeah. uh, we are head, headquartered in Finland, but we are looking to scale now. Mm. And when we look at uh, requirements uh, at Enfuse, you know, English is the requirement for language. Uh, so we have 10 different nationalities and and uh, and so I think that's a, that's a good thing uh, and then it's like I talk a lot about don't be an asshole or dick so I think a mindset is really important you know yeah. growth mindset and and uh, it doesn't mean that you're always like yeah let's do everything but it's about you need to tolerate change and and uh, f- fast paced because that's where we need to be the world is changing and we need to be part of enabling a positive change. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So at least for now, this year, Europe, next year, let's see where we focus more more directly on. But of course, taking in more funding, uh, finding someone else also to to join the the journey of Enfuse, and definitely open positions. I mean, like anyone listening, and you feel like shit. That's a company I want to be part of that journey. Either you are a you know, partner, collaborator, or you just want to work with us, at us, send in, you know, I mean, like we're growing, I don't even have time to put out all the ads of the people that we're looking because we want, where I want to be in five years is that I want to be in three continents. So first of all, I want to make an impact, but in order to make an impact, we need to, you know, have a certain scale. And the biggest thing that we're doing now is we're really leading the company through objectives and creator cells. And one of our key uh, objectives is that our customers love and praise us. And we then start drilling down, what does that mean? Of course, people need to want to work here. We need to do things that are per, you know purposeful. We need to have quality in what we do. We need to bring value. So yeah, that's, that's it. I want to die without regret regrets so i mean of course i have four kids so i want to look back in 10 years time or 15 years time and say yeah i'm still even more proud of the company i built and as a side note mm. if you look at jeff bezos how he looks at 45 which i am today and now at 60 something i mean like there's hope for me <laughs> That's how I think about it. I'm guessing, though, unlike Jeff Bezos, you're not planning to send yourself into space, at least not yet, anyway. Yeah, no, I don't have any any kind of requirements on that and neither am I planning any divorce or anything like that. So this is for my husband if he's listening. So, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking more of, you know, like when I have the company at a level where I don't have to work more or less 24 yeah. seven, I might go out for a walk and, and uh, drink less alcohol. <laughs> no, <just kidding. laughs> uh, I was going to ask actually, just as kind of my final question. Um, yeah. What is the biggest lesson that you've learned from founding Enfuse? And, and I was going to ask if there's anything you do differently, but I have a feeling 
you know, you're probably going to say you wouldn't do anything differently necessarily because you said no regrets. But yeah, well, I mean, if the, if there was anyone thinking about um, starting up their own fintech, yeah, what's the biggest lesson you've learned? What what would you tell them? Yeah, first of all, if it's a fintech, embrace compliance. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you try to, you know, do minimum or or try to avoid it or something, then you're fucked. So if you want to scale, embrace compliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to be an entrepreneur, I, I need to, uh, you know, here probably quote or misquote Elon Musk that if you want support, don't become, become an entrepreneur because it, it is the good things is that you can control a lot and you, you can you meet amazing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there is always the other side of the coin. You have the responsibility of people also. So you need to build a company that takes care of your employees because they are not entrepreneurs and they shouldn't have to be and here the mindset is still the important part they need to want to join your vision and your journey so there has to be a clear purpose but in the end of the day if you have any thoughts of anything in your in your life just do it i mean like no regrets uh, i would i would rather you know have done this and even if it wouldn't succeed mm. which of course hope hope it will and i'll do anything i can to make sure it will uh, i would have regretted if i hadn't done it because i could have stayed at banks i could have you know continued driving my bmw i downgraded to a ford fiesta you know i really felt you know the <laughs> manual stick when i was driving to the office and i used to have a bmw with all, and i was like yeah i'm so entrepreneur <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, f- first rule, downgrade your car if you're going to become a... Yeah, downgrade it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Start-up entrepreneur, yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, yeah. Monica, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Open Banking Expo Unplugged. To listen to other episodes in this series, visit the on-demand section of openbankingexpo.com where you can also read all the latest open banking and open finance news. See you next time. Bye for now.